I think one of the things that helped out was starting off as a private, as an E1. Gives you that sense of empathy that when you cross over and you get a commission and you become a commissioned officer, and now you're leading those people that you once were, you can empathize. Hi, and welcome to Deep Leadership. I'm your host, John Rennie. Well, I hope all is well with you today. It is a cold day here in North Carolina, and this episode is brought to you by our sponsors, Ignite Management Services and Liberty Strength. These sponsors help me bring these shows to you each and every week, so I encourage you to click on their links below and check them out. Also, I want to remind you that the Qualified Leadership Book Series, which includes all three of my best-selling books, is now available on my website, johnsrenny.com. You get all three books for 15% off the Amazon and Barnes & Noble price, but this offer is only available on my website. This is the perfect way to get 2024 off to a powerful start. So check it out at johnsrenny.com. Well, that is it. Today, we're going to be talking about leading people. And my guest is retired Brigadier General Stephen Acavelli. Stephen started in the Army as a private and retired as a Brigadier General after 39 years of service. In his time in the military, he experienced every type of leader and every type of leadership situation. I was honored to sit down and learn from his deep leadership experience, and I know you'll enjoy this conversation as well. So, are you ready to dive in? Let's get started. Welcome to Deep Leadership. Leadership is a people business. That's the philosophy of your podcast host, John Rennie. As a former Cold War submarine officer who spent 20 plus years leading businesses in corporate America before starting his own manufacturing business, he knows that leadership matters. Leadership matters. Are you ready for some real world actionable advice from John as well as his expert guests? I'm ready. I'm ready. I'm ready. The show starts right now. Welcome to the Deep Leadership Podcast. Today, I'm joined by retired Brigadier General Stephen Acavelli. Stephen enlisted in the United States Army in 1984 and served for 39 years. He was commissioned in 1989 and commanded at all levels from platoon and division. Prior to his retirement, he served as Commanding General of the 94th Training Division and Deputy Commanding General of the Combined Armed Support Command at Fort Lee, Virginia. I am excited to have him on the show to learn from his deep experience in leading men and women in the military. So, Stephen, welcome to the show. Hey, John. Thanks so much for, for having me. Been excited about coming on the show. And uh, now that I'm finally here, I'm, I'm thrilled. Thank you. Yeah, it's great to have you on the show. It's an honor to have you. And, uh, you know, most of my guests I haven't met in person, but you and I both live in Raleigh. We've actually met in person. We've had coffee. So, uh, and it's great to have you here on the show and uh, so everyone else can meet you as well. So it's an honor to have you and I'm excited to learn from your experiences. Oh, thanks. Hopefully uh, I can share a nugget or two that you haven't come across before. I'm sure you will. I'm sure you will. So first of all, I want to start like your stories is incredible. Um, And uh, did you ever expect to become a flag officer when you enlisted in the army in 1984? No, not at all. I enlisted as a private, E1, right? For those of you that know anything about the military, uh, as an enlisted private E1, you, you can't go any lower. There's no E0s. That's a private with no stripes in the Army. Um, I, I was just uh, was hoping that maybe one day I'd get commissioned as a second lieutenant. 
never thought that I would make a career out of it by by any stretch of the imagination, nor did I think that that I'd make a flag officer rank. Um, in the army, and and I, I guess it's probably the same in the Navy, I'm not not too sure. You can have a successful career and retire basically as lieutenant colonel as an 05, as an officer. Um, and so if you get to that point, you've had a great career, you've been successful. The, the military ranks, as you know, is a pyramid and kind of a steep pyramid as you move up in rank, there is less and less, fewer positions up there. So to go from lieutenant colonel to colonel is a big jump, but then go from colonel to brigadier general as a flag officer is is something that I never would have imagined. Although if you talk to my mother, she tells, you know, she'll say that he always talked about being a general. I don't know where she got that from. <laughs> I, I never, never said that. I, I never thought that I'd get to that point. It, it's remarkable. And as you, as you mentioned, you know, me being in the military as well, you know, you'd see a lot of great guys get to, um, you know, get to commander or they get to captain. So I'm talking Navy ranks, but so you get, they get to 05 and then they, you know, the, then a few of them would get to 06 and, and, you know, you'd be excited, but then it was just a rare breed that got to that next level in, because, because like you said, it's like a pyramid and the, there's a smaller amount of those uh, billets available uh, as you go up and up the, the chain. So to get to that level, especially starting out as a, as a private, starting as E1 is, is an incredible story for sure. Um, what would you, I mean, if you were, I mean, obviously there's been a, there was probably a lot in your career in 39 years, but would there be just a few things that you would attribute to your success and being able to go from an entry level position to, to really the top of the organization or anything that, that you would say was the, that characterized your career? I think one of the things that helped out was starting off as a private, as an E1. And uh, and I look back now on on some photos that I've got some some hard copy photos of when I was enlisted. Not the happiest of experiences in some cases. Uh, you know, being out there in the field or being out in the foxhole digging a foxhole because somebody told you that you had to do that. I, I think it gives you that sense of empathy that when you cross over and you get a commission and you become a commissioned officer and now you're leading those people that you once were you can empathize. And, you know, I know you've, you've talked about this in the past, but, but empathy is very different than sympathy, right? Nobody really wants to have sympathy. Um, you want to be sympathetic, but really as a leader, you want to be empathetic. And, and in my mind, that just means that you understand what that other person is going to going through. And as a leader to make good decisions and in the military decisions that could mean life or death, um, having that, that empathy helps you to understand why somebody did something or why they might want to do something right about motivation. And so I think it really helps you make a better decision because you understand, uh, the impact or the possible impact that your decisions have. And on the negative side, when somebody does something that you're then having to take punitive action against rather than, rather than just slamming that person. Uh, being empathetic makes you more, I don't want to say lenient, but but helps you to understand uh, what could have caused them to do what they did or make that decision, what was going through their mind. And and I think just having that background, it 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 keeps you grounded, I think. Uh doesn't let you get too big of a head. And it it just 
tempers your decisions because you were in the position at one point. And I think it just makes you a better leader. And I think on the corporate side, the same thing too. Uh, you know, I started off working in a warehouse uh, on a loading dock and, you know, worked my way up, changed career fields to go into the IT sector and took a step back to get an entry level position in the IT field and did customer support. Um, you know, phone, phone support took, took calls and helped people work through problems. And I think doing that puts you in the other people's shoes and it helps you when you start to move up to make a better decision because you've lived the other side of it where a lot of times you see people that maybe they just came out of school and they go right into some type of management decision and they don't actually have that experience of, of being a worker bee. You know, it's it's really interesting you say that because I I saw that a lot in my corporate careers. There were many managers uh, that had never done any blue collar work. You know, I I grew up in a blue collar family. I did all blue collar jobs until I you know went to college and and even through college I was doing blue collar jobs on the side, like building houses, delivering beer. I was, did all sorts of jobs and um. But I guess maybe that always, I always more empathize with the blue collar workers in, in the businesses I've always run because I, I sort of identified with, with them. I, I understood what it was like to be in those roles. And that's why I think it's really remarkable. You say, you know, the, your prior enlisted uh, time actually gave you better insight as, as, as a leader leading people in those, uh, in those uh, positions. And I, I think that's missing sometimes. We, you know, I, I, I talk about one thing I did in one factory, which I did in the rest of the factories I ran, this thing called Fridays on the Floor, where I made managers go the first Friday of every month for four hours. We would work on the shop floor in different places. Every, every month we switched different places so that we, we got to know the people. They got to know us. We understood what the real struggles were. They understood what we did for a living because they were in an office someplace but it was a way to connect us and to actually learn like real hands-on the way things are. And we built, we built better communications because we had those shared experiences. And, and often, like you mentioned, many managers never have that. And so they don't, they don't empathize well with the people that maybe they're leading. And I think that's, that's probably a good lesson. Um, if you want to be successful in leadership is, you know, have, have some sort of, connection with the people that are doing the work. You really have to share the hardship, right? Yeah. And from a, from a military point of view, you see that a lot, but you see it in the corporate world as well. You can't be an elitist. And you talked about your, um, you know, your Fridays where you'd get everybody out on the floor. Uh, we used to do that when I was in an engineer unit. You would do your, your preventative maintenance checks and services, PMCS, on your vehicles. And you know, the drivers are out there, the assistant drivers are out there. Well, the officers and the non-commissioned officers need to be out there while they're doing that. One, to make sure that they're following the checklist and going through and not taking any shortcuts, but but being out there. So when there's snow on the ground and people are crawling down, you know, crawling underneath to check, um, you know, the vehicles and then the grease points and everything like that, you're out there with them. Um, you know, when you're out at the range doing a weapons qualification and it's raining, you know, where are the leaders? Are they out there in the rain with everybody or are they in a, in a little, you know, building over on the side, staying dry and staying out of the rain with a cup of coffee or a cup of soup? You being out there and sharing the experiences and talking with the people, it, it builds a rapport. And 
going back to my enlisted time, I think when people found out that I was enlisted, I think that helped building the rapport too, because, hey, hey, the general used to be a private or the general used to be a, a PFC or a specialist. And, and now look what happened. And you're basically becoming a role model for people that doesn't matter what your background is, because I came from a blue collar background as well. I mean, I was pumping gas after school in high school uh, mm. to make money before, you know, I got a job in the warehouse. Um, but I think that gives you credibility and it establishes a bond with those people that you're leading and working with. Yeah. Yeah. There's nothing better than if you're out being, if you're miserable, you're out in the rain and you look over and there's, there's your boss out there with a smile on his face and he's, he's with you too, or she's with you as well. You're like, all right, there's respect right there. There's instant respect because, and if they're in that building having coffee and they're staying dry, that the opposite happens. <laughs> they're like, oh, look at them. They're special, right? Yep. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Uh, that's really good. Um, so maybe uh, were, were there some as you went through your career, you know, again, starting from the bottom, working your way up to general, were there some influential leaders uh, that you met throughout your career that that affected, you know, how you led? Um, you know, what were some lessons you learned along the way and maybe some role models you had or maybe influential people in your life? Yeah, that's a great question, because it all goes back to mentorship. And um, some experiences were better than others. Uh, but I was fortunate that when I first showed up as a private E1, I had a sergeant in the motor pool where I was working who kind of took me under his wing and, and, and mentored me. You know, he was my sponsor in that unit or became my sponsor just de facto that he was a motor sergeant. I was a new private that was working in the motor pool there. I still stay in touch with that person today, uh, 40 years later. It's now 40 years later. And when I got promoted to Brigadier General, he made the trip to be there for the promotion. That's great. That kind of got me started on the right foot because I've seen people where they show up and they don't have that sponsorship, they don't have that mentorship, and they become disengaged and they wind up leaving. That sponsorship that I had gotten or that person taking me under their wing, mentorship, it stuck with me throughout my career. And when I became an officer and a commander in charge of different units, that was always a priority of mine. And, you know, people couldn't understand why. And then later on in my career, uh, you know, I had some some good role models and some bad role models, right? Yeah. Of people that are like, I'm never going to be like that, right? Right. And, and I think there's books out there. Um, and Scott Adams, I think from Dilbert uh, yeah. fame, yeah. wrote a book about how to succeed by doing everything wrong or something like that. Yeah, uh, exactly. <laughs> right. And, you know, it's really true, though, that everybody's trying to do the right thing. But if you see the wrong thing and you know that it's wrong, you know, OK, I'm never going to do that. And if you don't do the wrong thing, you'll be OK. Mm -hmm. um, my last mentor, I guess, was was right um, right before I got commissioned or, or uh, I'm sorry, right when I got promoted to Brigadier General. And, uh, you know, he shared shared a lot of good bits of advice with me. And, uh, you know, one of them that I'll never forget is that just remember this position that you're going into now is all about giving back. Mm. And people asked me when I hit my 20 year mark, hey, when are you going to retire? I could have retired 20 years ago if I wanted to, but that's not why I stayed in. I stayed in one because I like the camaraderie and I like the positive attitude uh, the glasses half full attitude of the people that I worked with. But as you move up, either in rank in the military or in position in the corporate world, you have more influence and you have more ability to help people. 
And, and, and that was great, you know, not looking for anything in return, but just being able to help people and sometimes helping people wasn't what they wanted, but wasn't what they thought they wanted. <laughs> yeah. But you're looking at it kind of as a, as a disinterested third party, uh, looking at the big picture and then hopefully they'll come back to you later and ex thank you and say, now I understand why you did that. Uh, but just trying to remember that you being in those positions, it's not about you. It's about the people that you lead and it's about taking care of them and giving back. And I think that was probably the thing that, you know, made the biggest impact and still sticks with me today. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. I, and I love to hear that. Um, I think though, as, as we get more senior, you know, it's like, you know, the other uh, expression, you know, reach down and pull people up, help people that you can, you know. And I think the, I think the the best leaders do that. They they look to see how they can help others, you know, advance in their career, make the connections they need to be successful. And that's that's fantastic. To and it makes you feel good. Yeah. You know, it when, does. when you see the impact yeah. that it's having on somebody else and, and how it makes them happier, makes them better at something, it makes you feel good. I mean, it makes your day, right? Right. Yeah. I mean, I mean, you know, you just think about it, just a one kind word or 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 a letter, you know, a letter from the general, right? That's that's a big deal for someone, you know, in their life. Say you're a, you know, a private and you get a letter from the general, you're like, wow, you say you share that with your mom, your dad, your everybody, right? You know, yeah, or that you remember their name. But that, that you called them by name, right? Right, exactly. That's that's really important. People's names are essential. I, I that's that's really that's a good point too. Yeah. The military was easier. Sometimes they have they had a name on their uniform. So maybe yeah, but, easier. but if you know their first name. <laughs> yeah. Right. Yeah. And, and I tried to keep the military bearing and, and call them by their rank and name. Um, but if we're having a conversation and it slipped out, you know, hey John. Yeah. You remember my name, sir. Yeah. And they, yeah. It would come out in conversations that they would say that. And yeah. that yeah. really does go a long way, right? Because I'm sure they people go off and then they talk. Hey, I was talking to the general and he remembered, he remembered my name and remembered who I yeah. was. Yeah. And the same holds true in the corporate world. We'll be right back after a quick word from our sponsors. As a leader, you're responsible for the mission and the people assigned to you. Regardless of the size of your team, employees are depending on you for their lives and careers. For the sake of your team and the people who entrust you with this role, you need to master the skills to become a great leader. Best-selling leadership author John Rennie is proud to introduce the Qualified Leadership Book Series. This new series teaches you how to become a people-centered leader. Great leaders know that employees who are respected, appreciated, and allowed to grow will go the extra mile. These books provide real-world leadership wisdom written from a hands-on perspective. If you want to be a more effective leader, this is the one book series you should read this year. This three-book series contains the following best-selling leadership books. I Have the Watch, You Have the Watch, and All in the Same Boat for one low price of $39.99. Begin your journey to become a leader worth following. Go to johnsrenny.com and get your order in today. This episode is brought to you by Ignite Management Services. Ignite is led by Mike Watson, who you might remember from episode 137. Mike and his team believe that everything starts with leadership, whether it's strategy execution or cultural transformation. It's the role of the leader to create the conditions for their people to succeed. The team at Ignite can help you develop critical habits to enhance your leadership capability and transform your business. Ignite Management is now offering the Resilient Leadership Assessment Tool. 
This is an online questionnaire designed to assess and guide leadership development, coaching, and team building. It provides leaders an opportunity to gain insights into their leadership strengths and development needs. After taking this assessment, you will receive a custom detailed report that provides practical and actionable recommendations to enhance your effectiveness. I have taken this assessment myself and found it to be extremely valuable in helping me make changes to my leadership approach. Right now, Ignite is offering 15% off the price of this tool to the deep leadership audience. Go to ignitemanagement.ca and enter the code START15 at checkout to get started today. This episode is brought to you by Jeremy Clevenger at Liberty Strength. As a high-performing leader, you know that leadership isn't about telling people what to do. It's about leading by example. And for most people, the one area that they are lacking when it comes to leading by example is their health and fitness. By improving your health and fitness, every other area of your life improves. Your energy skyrockets, your sleep improves, your confidence increases, and more. But how can you get and stay fit as a busy leader? Well, you do what you've always done. You hire the best people for the job. Don't struggle on your own. Put liberty strength in your corner. Jeremy and his team will work with you to take your physique, mindset, nutritional habits, and more to the next level with his step-by-step, all-inclusive coaching program. I've worked with Liberty Strength for the past two years, and I'm in the best shape of my life, and I'm still hitting strength personal records at 56 years old. If you want to step up your game, reach out to Jeremy at libertystrengthtx.com to find out more and get your initial consultation scheduled with him today. I used to have little, I had little cheat sheets on my computer. Like when I go out the shop floor, I was like, I was going to this area and I had this one guy, I can always forget his name. And so I would look before I go just so I, even, even that it's a little bit of cheating, but at least I made the effort so that when I ran into that person, I'd remember his name uh, or her name. So yeah, I used to have to write it down too. Yeah. Yeah. So if you, you get, you, you, sometimes it doesn't come natural, but if it doesn't come natural, create systems and methods because that really Calling people by their names is is really a, a great way to connect with with people for sure. Um, now you've led a lot of people. Uh, you have a ton of leadership experience. How 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 do you define leadership? So let me start by how the army defines it, and the army defines leadership uh, as the process of influencing people by providing purpose, direction, and motivation to accomplish the mission and improve the organization. But I take a simplistic approach. And leadership is just really about motivating people to get them to do what you need them to do to accomplish a mission or achieve a goal, right? It's just, it's motivating. And, and so you can be a better leader by being a better motivator by explaining a lot of times why you're doing something. Yeah. Now, there are times that you just have to do it. And, and, you know, I have kind of that conversation with my daughter sometimes about, just do it. <laughs> it's got to get done. Yeah. Um, but if you can explain why, it 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 really goes a long way uh, because people understand the big picture. And it doesn't matter if you're in the corporate world or in the military. It just seems like, hey, people above me don't know what they're talking about, mm. right? I know what's going on. They don't know. They're telling me to do something they don't know. And then you move up a level, and then you still have the same impression. The people above me don't know what I'm talking about. Um, I know what I'm talking about. Well, that, that's not the case. And so if you have the opportunity that you can explain why you're doing something and get buy-in, that's huge. 
Mm. And I've turned organizations around by basically going on a road trip and going to each subordinate organization and getting everybody huddled together and doing a, doing a presentation and explaining why we are doing something that we need to be doing and showing them where they're at and, and asking them, hey, where do you think you're at with this? And then let them provide some feedback and then, you know, reveal a slide or pull the curtain back and say, okay, here's where you're at. And then watch their reaction. Because a lot of times they don't know where they're at. Um, and they don't know that they may, maybe they don't know that they're not achieving a goal or they're not meeting a requirement or something like that. Um, because it's just a lack of understanding. And so when you explain to them and then you explain why, where it fits into the bigger picture, people want to do well, people want to succeed. And contrary to what some people may think, people want their leaders to succeed as well. And they want their organizations to succeed. And it doesn't matter if it's the military or if it's the corporate world. Uh, that's true because when the leader does well and the organization does well, you do well, everybody does well. And, and so everybody should want to work together. And it's not that when, when people are not doing what they should be doing uh, or they're not meeting mission or not meeting objectives or goals that are, that are set, a lot of times it's a lack of understanding. They're not clear on what those goals are or where they're at. Uh, nobody's giving them that, that, that truthful picture. So I, I found that that's been very helpful in, in getting out, explaining to that and having those candid conversations with people and motivating them in explaining why they're doing something. Yeah, I think the why, we, you know, it's human nature. We, we're curious people. We're curious. We want to know why. Like, like, especially if it goes counter to what we think might be common sense. Why are we doing this? doesn't make any sense. But if you don't understand the why behind it, it makes, like I give you an example, we, you know, one of the things we do in, in factories is, we, you know, we wear a seatbelt on forklifts. So if something happens, you don't fly off the forklift and the forklift lands on top of you. And so, you know, for just a habit of mine, as I walk around the shop, I see somebody not wearing a seatbelt on the forklift, I'll say something, but I always say the why, you know, it's all, you know, I said, I don't want, you know, you need to be wearing your seatbelt because I don't want you to get hurt. Right. And so, so it's the, it's the directive, but also the why behind it. And it actually shows that your care that I, I care about you. I don't want you to get hurt. That's why I'm, I'm asking you to wear your seatbelt. It's not, you know, if you don't wear your seatbelt, I'm going to write you up. There's this just, a, it's the same conversation, but the, when you throw the why in there, it, it changes, it changes the message. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. I like that. Um, one of the things that, that, uh, you know, I, I see a lot, at least I saw in my corporate career, like titles, people start getting these big titles. I was, a, you know, a vice president for years. Uh, and what I saw was many people got caught up in their own feelings of self-importance. Like they're, they're, they're a, uh, they're a vice president now. And, you know, you, you were a general, you know, and the question I always have for you is how do we, how do you avoid as a leader falling into that leadership ego trap where you think that you're special or important or because you have the title or you have, achieve some level that someone that someone else doesn't have how do we how do we avoid falling into that ego trap in in my case it was a, it's been a combination of things one it, it was coming up as as a private and coming up through the ranks and and still kind of have that sense of uh awe i guess yeah yeah you know because Going to basic training as a private and having drill sergeants yelling at you and, and <laughs> being kind of at the low end of the t totem pole there, it, you know, it was it was funny. I got commissioned as an officer, 
and then uh, went to Fort Dix to buy some some rank at the clothing sales and everything with my my wife, then uh, girlfriend at the time. And I was looking at some stuff on the shelf, and and then I heard somebody say, "Oh, excuse me, sir." And I turned around. And it was a drill sergeant, and I and I kind of jumped back, you know. But I was lieutenant at the time, so I actually outranked <laughs> him. But it was kind of a flashback. Um, yeah. So it's having that. I think family plays a big role in it. Mm. Uh, you're a general in the office, or you're a vice president, or you're a CEO in the office. But when you come home, you're not right. Your yeah. dad, or you're Stephen, and and so all that stuff is out the door that doesn't make it past the front door a lot of times. It's so true. I, I remember coming back off deployment and just, you know, my, I told my wife, I just want to hear my first name. That's all I want to hear. <laughs> I was, I was Lieutenant Rennie or Mr. Rennie, you know, for, for months on end. It was like, I just want to hear my normal name, <laughs> you know, but I, th I think you're right. I, I know, um, like, like I was the vice president for years and I, I always, and I always hated it. I always hated my title. I didn't want to just share because like I, that does not sound important to me. I, I have a job just like everybody else does. That, that my title is just something the company has given me. But I know there were others that were really that was a big deal. Like they were trying to get to that vice president level, you know, just so they could have it on their business card or something. But it was always a weird thing for me um, because it wasn't it wasn't that important to me. The title wasn't that important. It's more about being able to be. Uh, good for the people that 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 work for me and for the people I work for. Is being a good leader was important to me. The title was not that important to me. And the same thing. The the title goes along with rank in the military as well, yeah. right? So you don't have to be a commander, but you know you could be a major, a lieutenant colonel, or something. And just by virtue of that rank, you've got a certain authority that goes with yeah. that, but yeah. that doesn't mean that you've got the respect that goes along with it. And if you're fortunate, you can get people, you can lead people by being who you are, by being a, a leader and being true to yourself rather than being Lieutenant Colonel or major and yeah. getting them to do it just because of the title or the rank or the position that you have. Yeah, that's so true. I see a lot of people using, trying to use positional authority to lead and it's just not a good way to do it. It's just people don't care about your rank. They want to see if do you care about them, you know. And and that's 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 really important. And I think that uh, I think having your prior enlisted experience like that, I think keeps you kept you humble. Uh, and I think it's a really good quality in leaders is to be humble and to you know to make make sure they understand that I'm not I'm not anyone special. Like for example, every every business I I ran, I would uh, the first thing I would do is like get rid of any assigned parking spots, you know, because every, every manufacturing company that would come to take over, there was always like the general manager or the, the supply chain manager, everybody had their own special parking spots. And I was like, I hate that because we shouldn't, we shouldn't, you know, we're, we're just an employee in this company, just like, like the, the tool, tool and die operator or the, the press break operator, right? We shouldn't have special privileges. And so I would get rid of all that stuff. Now I know in the military that stuff exists. So, <laughs> so the, the, I was just uh, I was just at my son. Uh, my son just returned from sea, and we were down there uh, having the ship come in, and we went to the uh, Navy Exchange, and it was like 06 parking and a 06 and above parking, and there was like ten spots. I'm like, oh, come on. <laughs> they are starting to do away with that, though, and you you do find that uh, as you go to to you know exchanges on post and on bases, those spots are are going away. They've redesignated them now to, uh, you know, pregnant mothers or oh, uh, yeah, gold okay. star families or something like that. And so it's harder to find that command sergeant major, colonel, 
uh, yeah, yeah. you know, general officer spots now. They are doing what what you were talking about on getting rid of those. Okay, good, good. It seemed like that was the last place that they would, you know, the military was sort of the last place you still see that. Yeah, so. <laughs> Um, it is nice when it's raining out there, right? And you get it. Oh, absolutely, <laughs> right? What is it? Rank has its privileges. Every once in a while, you're like, okay, I'm going to use this. <laughs> so that's funny. Um, one of the things that I talk about, and I noticed that, that you talk about it as well, is this idea between mission and people. Um, and so, you know, these are two conflicting priorities, sometimes can be conflicting priorities for the leader, is you have a mission to accomplish and you have the people that are working for you, right? And so I've seen some people were heavily focused on the mission and maybe ignored the people or abused the people and others that are focused maybe just on the people and they sort of lose track of the mission. Where do you see that as a leader, you know, this balance between the mission and the people? Yeah, so you're going to put me on the spot for that one. But unfortunately, there's not there's not a silver bullet out there um, that says, OK, this is what you do and this is this is the this is the answer. It is a fine line that you have to walk. It's a balancing act, just like you said, between the two. If if you're putting solely people first, you run the risk of failing at the mission. And in the corporate world, if you fail at the mission, the company could go out of business. And if the company goes out of business, then everybody's out of a job. Right. right. And if you go in the other direction, where you're just focused on mission and you're neglecting your people you're going to have a high attrition rate. You're going to have a high turnover rate. And, we, you know, we see that now. And I, and I think it's not just that they're focusing on mission. I think it's just the culture. Average uh, job retention, I think, is two years or something like that before yeah. people are hopping around, right? Uh, but you don't want to force people out because you're just solely focused on the mission and you don't care about people. So there is that balancing act but between the two. And unfortunately, there again, there's not a silver silver bullet on that. You do have to balance the two. And there are times when you have to sacrifice, you know, the best interests of people in some cases, because the mission has to occur. But when you can try to put the people first, uh, because you have to take care of your people. And if you take care of the people, then they're going to produce for you. Uh, they're going to try to make themselves and, and the company and you successful. Uh, but there is that fine balancing act that you have to, you have to manage. Yeah. Yeah, I think I've always said it's it's the mission and the people. And then, of course, the, the, when it comes into conflict, you've got to do your best. I always say for the for the majority of the people, you know, and when it comes to, you know, the mission has a has a um, focus that is like, okay, well, this has to happen. It's going to negatively affect some people. How do we minimize that effect in on the organization? Yeah, but and if it's something where you can get people's consensus on, you know, when you're making a decision, that's great because then they've got a stake in the decision and if right. they've got a stake in it, they're going to be more apt to work toward achieving that goal. Yeah. But you can't, you can't have the whole uh, paralysis by analysis. You can't just wait right. till you get everybody because then you'll never get anything done. Right. Right. Yeah, absolutely. I've had to close manufacturing plants and, and consolidate manufacturing plants. And so, that means people are going to have to move. People are going to lose their jobs. And, and, but we're doing it for the, you know, it's like we're doing it for the, the benefit of overall for the majority of the people that's going to be a better situation. But it's one of those is like, okay, some people are going to be affected by this. And what can I do to minimize the impact to the, to the people who are going to be negatively affected? That's always been, was always my priority. Yeah. Yeah. Interesting. Um, so, uh, pretty much we're getting to the end of the conversation. Um, 
What final message would you like to leave with our listeners when it comes to leadership? As a leader, you have to lead by example. And you have to do what's right, even if it's difficult. And you have to do it all the time. You can't try to cut corners and try to say, well, hey, nobody's, nobody's watching me. And so I'm going to do this because there's somebody that's watching you. Yeah. And if you do something you're not supposed to, you're going to get in trouble. Um, and if, if you lead by example, you're setting the example, then you're, you're being a role model for others to, to emulate and people want to look like you. Um, it's funny, the army has, has changed uniforms a few times during my career. And as a leader, uh, I was always one of the first ones to go out and purchase the new uniform to set the example of what that looked like. And you'd hear people talking about, I'm not going to go out and buy this. I'm not switching yet because the wear out date's not for two years. And then it's funny because then you show up in the new uniform and a couple of days later, you start to see other people in that uniform because yes. they want to look like you. They want to be like you. You're setting that example. And the, the other thing that I wanted to leave you all with is um, if you are trying to fix a problem, uh, you're faced with a problem, fix the cause of the problem and not the symptoms of it. And, and I liken it to whack-a-mole. You know, if you go to an arcade and you play whack-a-mole where the ball sticks its head out and you're there with the mallet trying to knock it down. Uh, so what I mean by that is you've got this problem and you, and you address the symptoms of it. Okay, so now I, I fixed that. And then I'm on to the next problem and I fix that one. I'm on to the next problem and I fix that one. But you didn't fix the underlying cause of the problem. So then what happens? You're now on your third problem, but the first one reappears again because you didn't fix the underlying cause. Uh, maybe because it wasn't obvious or maybe it was hard. You need to address that. Otherwise, they're going to reoccur again. So, so be visible, lead by example. And when you're trying to solve a problem, try to identify the root cause of the problem and fix that and not just the symptoms. Mm. Fantastic advice from someone who's been in the trenches for many years, literally in the trenches <laughs> for many years. So it's really good advice uh, uh, that Stephen tells you right now and uh, really good, good, solid leadership advice. Stephen, how can people find out more about you and uh, the services you offer? I know that you do uh, public speaking, you do coaching. So how can they find out more about you? The easiest thing would be to, uh, to email me at leadercoach6, right? Six has a big uh, meaning in the military, especially in the Army. Uh, so leadercoach6 at gmail.com. Uh, I'd be happy to, to respond back to you. I'll have one of my associates reach out as well. And uh, would love to come in, uh, learn about issues that you're facing and, and how we might work together to, to help you overcome uh, some of the challenges that you're facing now. That's perfect. We're going to put a link in the show notes for that email. And again, reach out to Stephen if you are something in this episode really stood out to you. You have a question for, for him. Uh, you have something where maybe you want to have him come out and talk to your organization. Some, you know, uh, a general come out. There's someone with with you know, 39 years of lead, military leadership experience, come out there and talk to your organization, go ahead and do that. Contact Stephen, uh, reach out to him. He's more than willing to help you out and uh, and help you get better as a leader and as an organization. Stephen, I want to thank you for taking time out and coming on the show and sharing your experiences, sharing uh, what you've done in your career and then how you view leadership. I think we, we all learned something through this conversation. John, thanks again for uh, for inviting me to come out. I'm honored. You set a very high standard of guests on your show. Uh, I hope I've I've kind of lived up to some of them. 
Um, I'm honored to be here and I hope you and I can get together for, uh, for a cup of coffee or, or maybe, uh, you know, a, a drink or a bite to eat after work one night. That sounds great. I'd be honored. And, uh, and again, I'd learned a lot and this was a great conversation. So, uh, and it's just a pleasure to get to know you and to learn from your experiences. So thanks again, uh, for coming on the show. Thanks, Joe. Thanks. Well, that's it for today. Thank you for listening to Deep Leadership. If you like this podcast, please subscribe and share so we can continue to build a world with better bosses. Until next time, this is John Rennie saying take care and lead well. Thank you for listening to Deep Leadership. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you for all you do. We hope you enjoyed today's episode. For more information and updates, please visit our website at www.deepleadershippodcast.com or johnsrenny.com. Until next time, take care. Welcome to Transforming 45, the podcast that celebrates the incredible power of passionate voices. I'm your host, Lisa Boat. Join me in conversation with heart-led humans who share their deeply personal stories of transformation. Transforming 45 is here to uplift, connect, and remind you that it's never too late to write your next chapter. So get ready to be inspired, empowered, and transformed. Join me in this community where through powerful storytelling, we heal and reclaim our inherent magic. Hi, I'm Mark. And I'm Peter. We're the founders of Electrocast Media, bringing you great podcasts like Nightmare Road Stories, Tech Talk Revolution, and Bodacious Minds. Electrocast networks include Ruby for female empowerment, the best business network, and GPN for geopolitics. We built this company to create community and amplify diverse voices, and we really appreciate your support. So, keep listening to Electrocast Podcasts and hear the culture. Electric acid.